Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. On behalf of the Standing Brothers Show, we'd like to give a warm, warm birthday, well, a surprise shout-out to our, to the President, Donald J. Trump. Happy 75th birthday to our President, Donald J. Trump. May it be a glorious one. May you have 75 more. May you be reinstalled in August. May you ascend to the White House in the triumphant return. Happy, bir- happy birthday, Donald. That's all you got. Happy birthday, Donald. Happy birthday, Dad. <laughs> Stop it. That's weird. Uh, Daddy. If, if you, too, would like a birthday shout-out to Hail to the Chief, just let us know. We'll give you a birthday shout-out with him. We're not doing that. <laughs> I think that'd be great. Oh, you can get a birthday shout-out, even if it's not your birthday. How about that? Happy birthday, Donnie. We love you, and we miss you. We do? I miss him on Twitter. Uh, yes. I, I wish I'd added. I wish you could be not so much reinstated or uh, you know put back in the White House, but just just ha- get him back on the Tweety. Get him back on Twitter. The, the Tweety. I'm surprised he's hasn't figured out a way to get back on there. They haven't, they haven't like, just made a new, a, a new, like, um, just, like, um, like the Gmail account. What kills or a me, new, like Yahoo email account. Well, what, what kills me is the fact that he had all this time to get on a different platform. He didn't, and he never did. And he still could get on other platforms. And if he sent out an email, or if he or the Trump blog sent out a link to his account on MeWe or whatever, that site would blow up overnight. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't make any sense why he didn't do that. But uh, any, anyway, happy 75th birthday to the former uh, president. Donald J. Trump. Former? Don't you mean he still is president? Well, I mean, depends on who you ask. Or is he secretly pulling the strings behind the... Well, I mean, I kind of wish that were true, given the stories we're going to talk about today. Because Biden is on is globetrotting the world right now uh, on behalf of the United States, going to G7, going to NATO, meeting with the Queen and Prince and Prince Charles soon-to-be king, once the old lady kicks the bucket. But anyway, welcome back. That's a long intro. Welcome back to the Standing Brothers Show. Um, Jacob and I here yet again on a Monday going through the news. Uh, you can follow us on the Tweety and all that stuff. You'll see all that down below. We, we, don't, we don't need to keep mentioning that. But anyway, uh, yeah, welcome back. Um, Jacob, how's your week going? How's the start to day, thy week? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Good. Um, that, that's it? It's pretty yeah, good? It, I, I mean, <laughs> just pretty good. <laughs> Just okay. Just okay. No, it actually actually has been really good. I've, good. I've had a good week. Good, good, great weekend. Um, went to a gun show Saturday. Hey-o. That was fun. Uh, man, things have gotten expensive. Mm. Um, things have gotten expensive. Um, a couple things I was looking for, I didn't really find. Was I was looking for some free Kyle stuff, and there was no free Kyle Rittenhouse stuff. I was hmm. kind of mad, and disappointed. Um, I know the kind of crowd that goes to these gun shows a little bit more of your um, conservative, a little more of, of like your boomer cons. Saw some walking contradictions. Uh, literally saw there was a um, 
Georgia Gun Owners Association or whatever um, was there. One of the guys in the booth had a Blue Lives Matter hat on and then a um, From My Cold Dead Hands shirt. Mm, yeah. Um, Self-awareness. I wanted to say something, but I'm like, nah. This, Th- this guy was like 70. This He was just – He doesn't know where he's at. He doesn't. He's like Biden. So I, my weekend was uh, pretty abysmal or abysmal. Uh, because not only did the Lightning lose on Sunday, the Yankees have ha- are on yet again another four-game losing streak. I just don't want to. I... So, um, but yeah, I, not not to labor on the Yankees anymore because you know it's kind of a broken record. I feel it's point. always bad news with them. I feel that there's never just like, wow, we had a fantastic string of games. Yeah, like you'll get. You get one game. You'll that's get good. one game that they play amazing, and then you're like, "Oh, is this the chance going to turn around?" And everyone's like, "Hold your breath, they might turn around." Yeah, and then they'll go get swept by Boston at home, or they'll go get the swept twins. by the twin. No, no, or the they uh, split the twins and they get swept by by Philly. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> what was that thing I posted? It was a gif of um Kermit the Frog being hung from a fan, <laughs> and I'd send it. I said, "When you get swept by the by, by the, the Phillies." Phillies. Yeah, I um I saw a a video of Giardi and Aaron Boone meeting, I guess for the first time, and you could tell Giardi was I guess it's a, it's a five second video, but you could tell he was like like you you took my job, and he, thanks. After the Astros, you know, cheated and they the Yankees fired uh, Giardi, but I mean I don't know what what more it's gonna take from Hal Steinbrenner to start firing people um, at the Yankee organization. Marcus Timmons should shouldn't not be within a mile of Yankee Stadium, let alone uh, a, a, a high school football or a high school baseball team, because uh, something isn't working. If the hitting coach is not producing anything, then he probably needs to be fired. Same with Aaron Boone. I, I, I've run I, Patience has worn thin. Same thing with Brian Cashman. Patience has worn thin. Um, you know, we're not winning, and we're in j- middle of June, and something needs to happen before— Well, the uh, All-Star break is right around the corner. Right. I mean, we're only a few weeks away from the All-Star break, and that's where typically where teams will decide whether— make or whether break. Make or break. They decide, okay, are we going to go forward, or are we going to be sellers this year and then wait for next year? So, I, I mean, I don't think the Yankees will be sellers, but— Something's going to happen. Because selling is basically like wave, waving the white flag on the season. Yeah, you're going to tank the rest of the season, which I, I don't necessarily I – don't, I don't think it's a good idea for your fan base because we have endured enough this year already. And something's got to happen with, like, these Stanton profile folks because you can't get paid all this money uh, to not play the outfield. I mean, you're 30 years old, son. Uh, I don't care how, how, you know, how, many, how much weight you can lift, but if you can't play the outfield and then maybe hit sometimes, you're worthless. You're nothing. So yeah. maybe lifting all those weights wasn't a good idea. But anyway, none of that really matters because we're talking about international politics, Jacob. We're talking about foreign policy, right? Ooh. See that transition from the New York Yankees to foreign policy? That's how we do things here on the Standing Brothers Show. But anyway. Just so, just, just right, right out of left field. Right out of left field. So uh, Biden is at the G7. Now, what's funny about the G7, because um, if, you, if you watch it you know, closely or just from a, at a distance— all it is, it looks like it's just a big photo op. And that's largely what it is. It's just a big photo op for all these people to meet together, take can pictures. Can you explain what the G7 is for some folks who don't, who don't know? A G, the G7 is like it is an economic uh, mastermind, like social class, whatever. They all get together to discuss how we can uh, further uh, the economic goals of our countries, right? So it's a big meetings so to speak where France and uh in Germany and the United States and England will all get together and we'll we'll just dis- they'll discuss on how we can 
better improve economic ties with it with other countries. And uh, notably that uh, I don't think China was allowed and Russia is not allowed. So how can you have some of the biggest countries in the world not be at the G7? Missing, you know, the the other two largest, largest, largest right. economies. Um, and Russia is a pretty big player in Europe. I don't know if people knew that or not. But anyway, just a little bit. But anyway, so um, what the one of the best things about President Trump, being that it's also his birthday today. Happy birthday, Donnie! Happy birthday, Don! Um, that he was very critical of G seven and NATO, which we'll talk about NATO a little bit later. But when he would go to G seven or the G twenty or whatever, he would always like, you know, we're getting ripped off by these people. How can we be friendly with these people if they're ripping us off? And what, what's the deal here, folks? And he, to some degree, he was right. He was right that they were take that sometimes other countries take advantage of the United States, and it's not just the United States; they take advantage of everybody else. It's kind of what happens, folks. It's kind of the how the international uh, foreign affairs works. It's all just big one big grab bag. You see who can grab the biggest bag. Um, I hope that makes sense. Um, but anyway, so uh, Biden goes to the G7, and he meets with President Emmanuel Macron. The French, um, the French leader of France, which which also is in uh, is in France, um, he, Macron says uh, says to Biden, "We need what we need is cooperation. I think it's great to have a U.S. president who is a part of the club. I don't know about you, but I thought an American president is supposed to lead, not be a part of the club. As of course, you know, Biden's like, oh yeah, okay, I agree." So Biden is largely saying, America is back at the table. America's back, Jacob. We're back at the negotiating table. I'm back, baby. Now, no one has really um, uh, explained to me what being at the table means. We're back. America's back. No one's explained to me what that means. Because if we're just going to go to these photo ops and take pictures with Boris Johnson and uh, Angela McCurdle or... Um, oh, Angela Merkel. Merkel. And Boris Johnson and Macron and all these other folks, then what's the point? There is no point. It's just one of these things to make us feel good. And the most hilarious part is when they talk about climate change, um, you're supposed to forget the fact that they all flew here on their own private jets. President Biden flies in one of the biggest planes ever built. I still believe it's a 747. Uh, that the Air Force One is. So we're all supposed to forget about that, and we're all going to be lectured to. By these, um, uh, what's her name? That kid from uh, uh, that that's always lecturing everybody about climate change. Um, what's her Thunberg. name? Yeah, Greta Thunberg. You know these people that are that have adopted Greta Thunberg as the climate czar. Yes, this teenager. Uh, we're all gonna be lectured to uh, about climate change through her, even though they all have their own private jets and they all have big gas guzzling SUVs. Um, you will not see Boris Johnson on a bicycle. That's not gonna happen. Uh, I don't want to see that, nor would I want to see Angela Merkel on a bicycle. Could, I mean, could you imagine that? Um, she uh, She's more, uh, I think it would be better for her to ride in her Mercedes. Um, but anyway, so, hmm, so yes, we're, we are back at the club at, at G7. Um, and another thing that... Um, that, that they always talk about is well, it's in, engaged. We got to be, uh, we got to be engaged with its other leaders across the world. We have these deeply held values uh, here in the G7 that we have to espouse. So, and again, they never explain what those are. Um, 
uh, Macron goes on to say uh, that I feel I, I feel a genuine sense of enthusiasm that America was back at the table and fully fully engaged. Biden said. The bottom line is that I think we've made some progress in reestablishing America's credibility among our closest friends and our values. But these are just photo ops. This doesn't really do anything. And so here's one thing that came out of the G7 that I think is just terrible. And it's, it's not cool, as uh, uh, Derek Zoolander would say. Cool. Not cool. So the, the G7 unanimously... So seemingly, um, is all for imposing a minimum global corporate tax of 15% without addressing... Uh, I'm reading from an article from the Mises Institute here. So uh, they're imposing a, a minimum global corporate tax of 50% without addressing all other taxes that governments impose before a business reaches a net profit. Net profit. That's dangerous. So what they're saying is that uh, all these countries in the G7 have agreed to tax corporations across the board, across all these countries at 15%, before they even reach a profit. So if that doesn't sound quasi-Orwellian, if not problematic, you'd be right. The article goes on. Uh, why would there be a minimum global corporate tax when subsidies are different? Some countries have different or no VAT taxes, or value-added tax, and the endless list of indirect taxes is completely different. The G7 commit to reaching an equitable solution on the uh, allocations of paying uh, of taxing rights, with market countries award taxing rights at at least 20% of profit, exceeding a 10% margin for the largest and most profitable uh, multinational enterprises. This entire sentence makes no sense, opens the door to double taxation, and penalizes the most... Co- uh, competitive and profitable companies while it has no pact on the dinosaur loss-making of poor-margin conglomerates that most governments call strategic, strategic sectors. So what that means is is that not only will they have to pay the global minimum 15%, but you're still going to have to pay the 39% here in America. So the, the, the U.S. government charges, let's just say, uh, I don't know, Ford. Let's take the company Ford. The U.S. government is going to charge them 39% as, as a corporate tax, and then on top of another 15% for the global tax. So, Jacob, you're good at, at arithmetic. How much is that? What, 15% plus, would you say? 39%. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's what, like 54% or whatever? Yes. Yeah. So half of the income before net profit. Well, my, where's this money going for for the global? Is it going to the global a trust or something? The global trust, like for his, like I, I, the I don't. I, I've I've tried to look into this, and I really can't. Are we or are all these countries agreeing they're just going to increase the taxes just fifteen percent across the board for all these countries? From what I understand, it's this is a uh, the G seven is some kind of multinational taxing agency that we're all going to... But what do they do with that money? I don't like, know. So how are they going to divvy it up? Is, is it from based what I, on contributions? From what I understand is that I guess it's going to go into a big pool somewhere where they'll use that to fund other things. Where they'll use it to, to fight poverty or something gets, like that. But who gets to decide that? Who gets to sit there and... Countries... It, it's, well, these countries have all unanimously agreed to doing this. So whether or not you get to vote on it here in America, you're, these corporations will still have to pay 15%. I, I just don't know where... I, it doesn't make any sense, and I don't, I don't see this really so working out in the long to, run. Like, that's what I, I, I've, I've been trying to do looking at this. I've tried to, been, I've tried to look at it. I know, I know that like, um, 
Janet Yellen's all over this. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't, I, I don't know where the money and I don't know like what's the what's the objective behind this because typically, um, if they if a politician wants to raise taxes, there's an objective there. It's like okay, we're gonna build a road or we're gonna fund the military, or we're gonna do um, Medicare for all. I mean, what, fighting poverty, uh, okay. But fighting poverty where? You know, if the United States contributes, let's just say, 40% of whatever these G7 taxes are, and then the UK does 10%, does that mean they get to pull out the same money? And if they and if they get they get to take out the same amount they put in, why not just keep that all in their own federal governments? Like, I, I don't understand what... what are we going to be – is this, is this going to be like another like UN situation where we just give all this money in there and we don't see any returns from it? We just – it's just taken? Yeah. That's what I, that's what I see this going as. It's just another another just like a UN disaster. But here's another problem with this is that the global minimum tax rate will not hurt G7 members or large technology giants. But it will devastate small and dynamic countries that need to attract capital and investment who cannot afford to have a tax rate of global leading nations. Losing capital investment will cripple their economy, and the alleged tax revenue benefit of raising the minimum corporate tax will disappear. Not only uh, small and dynamic nations will suffer from this measure, but small and dynamic corporations because they have less revenues to invest and grow in the future the moment they generate a profit making them weaker. Therefore, it is a protectionist and extractive measure that benefits the ones who are already niche na rich nations and large multinationals, but disproportionately harms small and rising nations and businesses. So, take a smaller European country that doesn't do as well as France or Germany or Russia or maybe a country like the United States or Canada, right? Uh, these countries will, do, will be just fine, okay? American corporations can afford to pay these sorts of taxes because they do pretty well, and they get all kinds of subsidies, and they have all they have every which way to Sunday to avoid paying taxes, right? We saw how Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and all these guys were able to basically pay 1% uh, taxes. And I can guarantee you, no matter how high they raise the corporate tax here in America, they don't pay the full amount. No. This is well known. This is Everybody knows this. The thing is, is that uh, these smaller countries and these smaller companies that are, that are not in France or Germany or the United States, um, they don't have that access. They don't have that luxury of not being able to pay taxes or have the access to subsidies or things like that. So we have a smaller country, smaller market cap. We have a smaller uh, corporation in a country that doesn't have access to these things. And now you're going to pile this 15% on top. Now these companies and these countries will not have access to capital to grow their businesses, to grow their countries. That is a very vital thing. And that's what people seem to miss. So this is 100% a protectionist thing, right? This is how monopolies get started. This is exactly how monopolies get started. Is that here you have a certain handful of groups of people going to the government, going to a, the global government, asking for protection from competition. That's exactly what a monopoly is. You don't get monopoly. You don't necessarily get a monopoly out of the free market. It always comes with some kind of government protection and or handout. Um, that was one thing that really made me mad about the latest history special on the titans that built America. Um, I don't understand how you can accuse uh, 
uh, William Boeing of creating a monopoly after you gave him the sole contracts to carry airmail. But I, who cares about that? Um, but anyway, uh, so the article goes on. Uh, the organ- the uh, Organization for Economic uh, Cooperation and Development itself has warned that corporate taxes are the most harmful for growth. The evidence from OCE, OECD shows that the investment is adversely affected by corporate taxation through the law, through the cost of capital. The study uh, warns that corporate taxes rates are a negative effect on firms that are in the process of catching up with the product, productivity performance of the best uh, best practiced firms. So, like you know, bigger big name corporations. And concludes that lowering state, uh, statutory corporate tax rate can lead to uh, particularly large product- productivity gains in firms that are dynamic and profitable, i.e. those that can make the large con- contribution to GDP growth. So rising corporate taxes will not reduce the debt burden. In the, the reality of the budgets and financial positions of most G7, G20 countries shows that deficits continue to be elevated even, th- even in growth periods at and after periods of tax increases because government spending rises above all increases. So, not only will this lead to maybe fewer jobs in less growth, but more taxes. Or, I'm sorry, more debt. More debt, because it doesn't matter how much money the, that governments bring in, they always spend more. So this isn't going to help anybody. This is just another scheme to keep smaller guys out out of the out of competition, and this article goes on for a little bit longer. Uh, we'll, we we will most definitely link to this. And Daniel Locato, I think is how you pronounce his last name, is is great. He has a PhD in, in economics economics, and he's a fund manager, and he he has a lot of great stuff that he that he writes on the Mises Institute for economic stuff. But yet again, um, the G seven is just another one of these uh, c- conglomerates of cronyism. And um, uh, they, they're they not very laissez-faire. They're not very capitalist. They're not very free market. They're not very uh, America-friendly. And this is another thing that uh, that I agreed with the America First people about, is that what, what do we bet? What does the United States benefit out of this? Nothing. You know, the, the best way to uh, produce, uh, you know, productive cooperation from one country to another is just to do commerce with them. You don't need these G7 and G20 events to show that we're friends with each other. No, just you buy our stuff, we'll buy your stuff, and we'll get along. Maybe every once in a while we'll invite Macron over to the White House. We'll have two scoops of ice cream. Um, we'll, we'll get along, we'll listen to some music, and then, you know, we'll, maybe we'll hit the peace pipe, and then you're, you're out of here. When, when, when Angela Merkel comes over, we'll, we'll listen to some Nazi war propaganda. We'll eat some... Eat some bratwurst and then we'll drink beer and then she'll be out of here. And then when Prince Charles comes over, we'll watch the late late show with Craig Ferguson, and you know we'll talk about how he secretly wants to kill his mother so he can be king. You know whatever. That's funny. I was watching a video of when Biden was with the the Queen, who is freaking awesome. Um, they were walking through some garden at some one palace that was built forever ago. Anyway, so. Th- Biden and his wife and the queen were walking side by side down the, the the walkway, and just a couple steps behind them was Prince Charles, kind of by himself with his hands behind his back. And every time I see Prince Charles in that sort of situation, I always think of that moment in Mrs. Doubtfire when they were at the pool, 
<laughs> and uh, and after you know, uh, Stu takes the kids and his uh, his ex wife away from Mrs. Doubtfire to go get in the pool. He's he's like, what am I doing here? This is beyond obsession. <laughs> Watching you t- step in and take away my family. What, uh, oh, what am I doing here? This is beyond obsession. Because <laughs> yeah. he's always I like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because he's because uh, because uh, Prince Charles is always like, how can I kill my mother? You know. Uh, that's all, that's all that's, that yeah. That's all that Prince Charles wants for his birthday. It's just a quiet evening to plot the extinction of his mother. They're like Charles, make a wish. Okay, dang it, it didn't come true. <laughs> he opens his eyes. Hello, Charles. <laughs> Hello there, Charles. How you feeling? You, is your birthday cake very good? Yeah. So there's a new show that's going that will be coming out about how the the birth of the uh, the the royal here in America, and I'm like, I could not care less because they were talking about how. When will he? When will this child meet his uh, his royal family? Will he meet his nieces and nephews? Will he meet his future uncle and aunts who might become queen, a king and queen? When will he meet his grandmother? And I'm like Prince Charles. <laughs> when will he meet his grandfather? Yes. Every every you know, could you imagine being a kid and looking up and seeing those ears? Could you imagine that, Dumbo? Um, but yes. <laughs> I, I hate the royal family. As much as I love Prince Charles and poking fun at him, I, I hate the royal family. You're not a big Prince Charles guy. No, or, I don't know. No, sorry, sorry. You love Prince Charles, not a big royal family guy. Yeah, I think anything that's owned by the royal family should just be droned. Um, Westminster, uh, all you know, get the get the valuable stuff out first, but then just 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 completely level the place because like, like the crown jewels, get all that out of yeah, there. Yeah, I, I think that should be put on up for auction, and you can only um. You can only auction with Doge coins, so you know if you want to buy the the scepter or whatever, uh, you gotta you know bet in, or you gotta you know offer up Doge coins. I think that would be hilarious. Here you have the ultimate tradition and heritage uh, being given away in uh, what is amounts to literally nothing. So I think that would be, I think I think it'd be great. Um, but yeah, but that's all after you have a trial and they're found guilty of all those things. Not, not we we wouldn't do this out of uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't get very hasty and do this out of just uh, yeah. out of off a whim. Um, but anyway, so yes, that's the G seven. Do you, what do you think, Jacob? <laughs> you know, I, you mentioned all the important stuff. I'm just looking at all the memes and all yeah. the things that are coming out of it. There's so many videos of Biden just kind of wandering around, yeah. looking like a lost child. Um, well, he is. There was one where he was standing. They were they're outside at some kind of like picnic area, and he was just standing there, just drooling. No, no, just standing there looking like you know how there's you know how kids when they're lost they just stand there don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. That's what he was doing until until Doctor uh, Jill Biden oh, came. Yes, yes. his and, nurse. Yeah, his his nurse <laughs> um, came and. Um, came and got him like he's like come on joe come on no no joe this way um i also do find it funny that whenever the cameras are on and whenever they're doing photo ops they're all like they're all like doing they're all doing like the elbow bumps oh, and stuff so, like that so, there was so much hypocrisy and and then as soon as the cameras went off you can see private photos of them just like giving hugs and then like putting their arms around each other um it, it, i mean the, the the hypocrisy is so great and then um we're, we're, folks, we're only talking about not even a month ago. Uh, Biden was still parading around wearing a mask and stuff like that, and now he's now now he's not. I'm not sure what changed. I'm not sure what, what, what about the virus changed, 
Um, cause, because, I mean, I'm sure that everyone's in these, in these meetings have been vaccinated. There ha- yes, they all have. Yeah. So I'm not sure what changed. It's not like, I mean, everyone, everyone in the White House have been vaccinated a long time ago, but he still paraded around in his little theater mask. Um, um, but he, he met the Queen of England, and he had no mask on, and she didn't either. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny that, you know, the most probably the most iconic woman in the entire world um, he didn't. He didn't feel the need to protect her from himself. Because yeah, she's one bad lady, virus or no virus. She, I think she's gonna be just fine. She's been through far worse than the coronavirus. Um, she's lived through several wars of great magnitude. Um, but yes, uh, what, what was funny to me about watching the G7, and of course, I think everyone's seen that photo where they're all socially distanced, standing on that platform overlooking a, a cliff in front of that ocean. Yeah. And they're all given elbow bumps and, like, shoulder bumps, whatever the heck that is. And to me, it'd be hilarious if Putin was there. He says, no, I shake hand. Shake hand. No, no elbow bumps. Shake hand. I thought that would have been hilarious. Because, yes, yes, Putin is only, what, 5'6 or 5'8? He's not a very tall guy. But he's former KGB. He could probably kill all those people on the stage there because I don't think Angela Merkel would put up much of a fight uh, with his pinky finger. So, yeah, the guy projects strength. Speaking of Russia, speaking of projecting strength, and speaking of NATO. Um, Did we mention NATO? Yes, I said, I met, uh, remember I mentioned NATO earlier, so we, we get to that in a minute. Well, it's, it's been a minute. Uh, God, you, you completely derail every conversation. But anyway. Accomplished. Yeah, I know. It's, it's your sole purpose in life. Anyway, um, speaking of, of NATO and Russia and Putin and all this and all that, not only was Biden globetrotting, speaking about climate change in the world, but he's also going to the NATO meeting in Brussels. Ooh, everybody say ooh. ooh. So the very failed obsolete NATO uh, is strikes again. So Biden is supposed to meet with Vladimir, President Vladimir Putin. And before, the, um, before they met uh, President Biden and President Putin, I think they're meeting. I think they met today uh, in the early afternoon before we. Rec- I I couldn't see anything on it because we we had to record at some point, and I couldn't wait all night to do this. But anyway, so I'm gonna watch all that, and I'll probably talk about that Wednesday maybe. But anyway, so before uh, Biden and Putin uh, have their powwow behind closed doors, where no one can see what happens, um, uh, Putin gives an interview to the first Western journalist, I think, to ABC. Um, in uh in like two or three years, which is a big deal, and in this interview he's t- he's talking about how, you know, relations between the U.S. and Russia are are at an all time low. We've hit rock bottom, bottom of the barrel, whatever phrase you want to use. Um, stop! Put the put the tweety away. Stop it. Um, <laughs> please, Jacob. Anyway, l- let's be serious here, folks. Um, so yeah, so he ha- he does this interview with a- with NBC. And they're asking him questions about Russian interference and election meddling and cybersecurity, uh, you know, claims that they've hacked into United States firms. Uh, there's a question about Alexei, what's his last name? Alexei Navarati, whatever. Yeah, it's some kind of weird. The, the opposition leader who was allegedly poisoned by uh, Vladimir Putin. Um, and all these, about the Ukraine and all these things. So to me, it is very, very interesting that. The moment that we here we have two uh, leaders on the world stage meeting, two uh, one who is the most important, the U.S. president, 
and probably the third most important person in the world being the Russian president. Um, these two men have access to the 90% of the world's nuclear weapons. So to say that these guys need to have a good working relationship is a very big understatement. Um, th these two guys need to be able to work together and get along because, you know, they hold the keys to 90% of the world's nuclear warheads. So, so before they even sit down to meet with each other, the mainstream media is uh, reporting um, on how, like all these things about, like I said, they're 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 projecting these negative things on Vladimir Putin. They're talking about the Russia hacking. They're talking about uh, what they did with the uh, the DNC hacking, even though there was no evidence to say that they actually hacked into the DNC. So to me, it's interesting that here we have relations at an all-time low. Here we have the U.S. media and Western media attacking Vladimir Putin uh, before these two even go sit down. And then the fact that not, well, Biden and Putin will not have a joint press conference. Biden said that, you know, I'll, per I'll say what I think would happen, he'll say what he thinks happened. And we'll go from there. Now, is that because Biden doesn't want to get caught in a slip-up? Because, you know, he has many gaffes and they're quite hilarious. Or is that because maybe he doesn't trust the Vladimir Putin? Maybe he's not confident in his ability to uh, verbally and uh, com com conversationally combat with the former KGB agent. Or maybe, just maybe, they want some tension between the two. Now, of course, Biden has been saying... That it, as too with China, that he's not looking for confrontation. He's not looking for problems with these two. But at the same time, the, the, the third arm of the White House, being the U.S. media, is saying all of these things. Um, there's another thing I wanted to mention. I can't remember what it is now. So, I, I just, I don't know what to make of this. I don't understand. Now, no, don't get me wrong. Is Vladimir Putin a bad guy? Absolutely. He is an autocratic leader that has killed, I, I believe, that has done bad things to his people. Um, you see what he's done with silencing journalists, silencing potentially silencing opposition leaders uh, to himself. Um, the way that he runs his country is, is not good. I would, I would not say that he has uh, his country, every person in his country at heart, their best interests at heart. He's an autocratic leader, and he's, he's a quasi-dictator. All of those things are true, but that doesn't mean that every time you go to meet with the guy, you bring up all the dirt, right? So let's say you want to go do business with somebody, right? Let's say, you want, Jacob, let's say you're, cor you're Corporation uh, uh, AZ, and I'm Corporation ABC, right? Yeah. Now, Jacob's Corporation has been accused in the past of fraud and abusing their customers and abusing their workers, but they've changed. Maybe they're a little different. None of those claims can be backed up by a lot of facts. So would it be wise for me, Corporation ABC, who is the morally upstanding upright corporation, to come in and say, you know, before we sit down and do a deal, Jacob, we're going to bring up all the things you've done wrong. Would that would that kind of, you know, I don't know, put a put, put a good footing forward as to meeting with someone? Well, absolutely not. But then I also got to remember that um, um, so, um, so your corporation, or in this case Biden, is not exactly um, clean either. 
There it is. Thank you for mentioning that. Uh, you're not exactly a, a clean. We're not exactly a clean country like like we all have all of our p's and q's in a row. Um, America's <laughs> Biden literally ran on the fact that we have a fractured nation that we that there's there's distrust in. Um, the democratic system that we were we were led by a dictator that that white supremacy is the greatest threat. Um, the fact that he, him and his vice president's words were that you know you have black people being killed in the streets by police officers. So you're gonna go to a guy who you know, as Joe said, I don't just dis- I don't disagree anything with what Joe said. Um, Putin's not a bad dude, or sorry, he's not a, he's not a good dude. And Russia and Russia is not exactly um, a bastion of um, freedom. Yes, liberty and freedom. Ameri- I mean, America's not much anymore either. Uh, but so by a mirror, when you're going to these these rooms, um, is there valid criticism for the way that Putin's ran his country? Sure, absolutely. Um, but if you're trying to get on the man's good side and you're trying to um, you're trying to work things out, don't go up there just 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 lecturing him about how bad um your country is biden did this with president um xi jinping of china and he did the chinese um what he's he's not the president of china well he's the chairman or whatever 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 the chairman of of the communist party there he said the same thing i'm saying he said he said what are you talking about? You got to get your nation, get, get your house in order before, 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 before start accusing other nations of, of what they've been doing wrong. So it's look, this is just Biden trying to trying to play strong to the base and say, oh, well, we're going to hold Russia accountable because you know the last guy was basically best friends with Russia. Yeah, um, and that's what a lot of this stems from is that they hated Trump so much. Yeah. Um, I think was it Keith Olbermann or, or uh, no? It was um, oh, what's his name? John Brennan. I think it was one who had said that Trump's actions at Helsinki in 2018 were treasonous because he because what Trump said is that he didn't necessarily believe his own intelligence community telling him that Russia hacked the election. He said, "Well, I think what Putin's saying is true. They didn't do it. So how dare you not take the word of your own spy agency versus their spy agency, who are both." Uh, horrible, horrible historical liars. So how can you believe any one of them? But anyway, so um, the, the the left and the progressives and the people that voted for Biden hate Russia, not just because they don't like what Russia does as a country, but because it's some way connected with Trump. So Biden has to be the opposite of Trump. He hasn't. Trump was trying to be the one that was going to be trying to be. Uh, let's use one of their words: inclusive. With, with Russia and China, Biden has to do the opposite now. Now he has to be the big tough guy, even though Biden isn't all there. And I don't think Biden really knows how to be tough without dropping bombs on brown people or starting wars in the Middle East. So it just looks so – it looks so phony. It looks so – I don't know, just well, weak. There was, a, there was that Time magazine cover yeah, that came I saw out. That. Or as a picture of Biden and his and his aviators, and then a picture of Putin in the in reflection, reflection, and it was like going to confront him or something like that, or like going to hold Russia accountable. And a Glenn Greenwald was like, "Dang, this is stupid." <laughs> that that was his response well, to it. I, I want to know how exactly are they going to hold them accountable? That's that, and that's what I tweeted. Out. I said, I said, what's he going to do? Like drool on him to sleep? <laughs> is he gonna is he gonna nuke Moscow? Uh, um. Um, so release Alexi. 
No. Okay, that's it. We're nuking you. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, seriously, whenever whenever you have these two countries who, who are, you know, militarily elite, and they could take each other out um, in a matter the of hours. World. The whole world out in a matter of hours. Both of these, both these men. At the, at the push of a button could, could end um, human existence immediately. Um, what are you going to do? Like they've already put sanctions like on Biden, Russia. Biden, what are you gonna do? You gonna put more? You gonna put more sanctions on him? Um, I know that there was. We we watched that little bit of the interview on the way home, um, from work today, and um, the one NBC guy was saying something about the recent um, cyber attacks that have been going on in uh, in America. I think there was there was the one on the colonial. Was that was, was that Russian or it, was that? It, well, it's alleged that they there was it was a Russian hacked. A hacking group, yeah, uh, that may or may not have ties to the Kremlin. Okay. And then there was the one that attacked one of the meat packing plants or something like that. Yeah. So some other kind of and infrastructure then uh, last week the uh, the State Department and other corporations here in America uh, went offline uh, for a think for about an hour or so. Um, so my question, and then Putin w- went on to say, okay, well if they if we can do that to them, then they can do that to us. Yeah. So what sense does it make? For us to do that, well, and and uh, who's to say that we haven't done that already? Right. Um, the, the 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 parts of this that I um that I um that I that I, I just I just can't wrap my head around is that um the one the one interviewer was like um how do you feel about or like how do you feel and will you work to not harbinger not to not not to harbinge um Russian hacking groups in your country and he's like criminals. He's like, what, what, what? What kind of question is that? What kind of question is that? That'd be like a Russian state uh, reporter asking Biden about BLM protesters in Antifa people. Are you going to let this go on in your country? He's like, what? What, what is that? Um, Again, get your own house in well, order. And, and, and then the other thing is that I don't know if the NBC guy is aware of this or <clears> not, <throat> but it is possible to tunnel your connection to appear in another country. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that that's what they did. But just because the connection appeared in in Russia does not mean it came from there necessarily. Um, you know, I have a VPN for my computer. I can appear in Russia if I wanted to. Right. Um, I can turn it on, and then I can get Russian news um, straight to my inbox if I wanted to. And you think that uh, people that are smart enough to hack into the State Department would be smart enough to know they have to cover their tracks. But it, it's <laughs> it just it makes common sense. I, I don't like. <laughs> What is the objective? Okay, so like holding them accountable is not an objective. It's meaningless. It's a meaningless statement. Holding Russia accountable. It's like I, holding I, China I accountable. Accountable. I don't know what that means. Does that mean that, does that mean they're gonna play nice? It's not like it's not like again. We're not the, the playground. The U.S. is not innocent on all this. By ourselves, um, but we get, we got we got a lot of dirt. I mean, the CIA is basically it's the U.S. version of, of the KGB. Um, their 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 mission is the same. Their tactics, uh, maybe a little different. Maybe well, not that much different. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, the CIA did conduct the torture rings and under you know John Brennan and all that, but uh, and you know they did arm ISIS and okay, yeah, but for you know moving on, moving on from that. <laughs> um, it, like what I have always said about our relationship with Russia is, I said that. Because people would accuse Trump of being or playing soft to him or, or, or not not being tough enough with Putin. Um, if every single weekend they have to go break bread and drink tea, 
but that means that there's peace and that means that there's no dead united there's no dead americans and no dead russians and no um no um, movement of of troops troops into um missiles into the into the parts of russia and there's no more um uh, submarines or any or any other battleships moving in on, on the west coast of, of America. If that's what it takes, then I'd be for it. Be soft with them. I I I really don't care. Um, going in there and accusing the man of all this kind of stuff. What is that going to accomplish, Biden? Like, so what leverage do you have on him? And what what dirt and what are you going to threaten him with? I mean, what can he do that hasn't already been done? That's what I'm saying, like, I don't, I don't understand these <clears throat> platitudes of, of a hold him accountable. Like, I, I don't. And it's the same thing with with China too. What can the what can President Biden do that hasn't already been done or that we're already not doing? Nothing. He's gonna be like, hey, hey, Jack, what you're doing to Alexi? That's wrong. Stop it. Reminds me of Corn Pop. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Corn Pop was a bad dude, but you're. You you are worse than corn pop, Putin. And uh, I, Kamala told me I gotta hold you accountable, so I'm speaking in a loud tone of voice. You see my uglies? Do you see my aviator glasses? That means I mean I mean business. And you're gonna stop it. And when Putin goes, no. Well, that, that that's not according to the script that I was given to read. <laughs> we need to no, stop this. It was funny today as as Biden was taking questions from the press pool. Uh, he went off slightly off script, and he said, "Oh, they're gonna they're gonna get on to me for this, but just pretend I didn't ask you this question. Go ahead." And I was like, "Oh, oh I was my, like, my gosh!" Because he's given a a, a a list of questions he's allowed to ask, and which people to to ask them from. So to me, that's just like, "Wow, this isn't this is what it is." So, but I guess the one thing that that Biden could do and that is going to do is beef up the NATO in a statement. That, uh, that Biden gave in Brussels. He said, I will make it clear that the United States' commitment to our NATO alliance and the Article 5 is rock solid. It is a sacred obligation that we have under Article 5. A sacred, sacred obligation. Now, the Article 5 obligation is that states that an attack on one is an attack on all. So, if Russia or any other country attacks another NATO so-called ally, then we are legally obligated... Legal, sorry, legally obligated to come in their defense. I'm sorry, but that's stupid. That's not our fight. Not like I, like we talked about last week with China and Taiwan. I'm sorry, but if Russia goes into the Ukraine, how does that affect our freedom, safety, and security? It doesn't. How does that affect the safety, freedom, security of the UK or uh, France or Germany? If they're so concerned about it, then they'll take care of the problem themselves. Why does the United States, which is an ocean and half a world away, have to mitigate the problems with the Ukraine and Russia? Now, there's a whole thing that goes on with Russia and the Ukraine. It goes back a long, long time, the differences between the two countries. And uh, Russia claims that the Ukraine has always been a part of Russia, and the, and the people disagree. But again... What right does does Germany or France have to say that Russia and Ukraine, why does Germany and France get involved in their disputes? Again, that's not your fight. And this sacred obligation, it, it sounds scriptural at this point. Sacred obligation? What is that? Everyone should reject this kind of 
this this kind of statement because I'm sorry, but that's not what we voted for. I didn't vote for our so-called sacred obligation to NATO. That's ridiculous. There's nothing sacred about it. It's a pact that was made 40-plus years ago after the Second World War and going into the Cold War about how we need to curb Russian aggression. And then in the 90s when George H.W. Bush, you know, George Classic, said that NATO wouldn't move any further, and then they moved up NATO further to to uh, to Russia, Russia was like, hey, this is what we were promised. And that's where you get Russian so-called Russian aggression from. All Russia's actions, and this is a, a broad you know generalization, all of Russia's actions can be boiled down to the actions of NATO. It's a response to what NATO is doing. And that and Trump was right. Even what I think Trump was doing is that he's in secret he thought NATO was important. But he called it he called it obsolete and it was time for us to end it in an effort to get other countries to start paying more money into it, which is a good strategy, but he was right when he said that NATO should be abolished. I'm sorry, but uh, I'm sorry, Germany, but if you're going to do pipeline deals with Russia and still ask the United States to, uh, I don't know, defend you from Russia, no. Uh-uh. You don't get to play it both ways. So, like I said, uh, we, they don't have to disband NATO, but we can just, you know, get out of NATO. Because um, the, what goes on in Europe it has nothing to do with the United States. All the, the thing, this is what the United States should do is that we're out of NATO, we're out of G7, we're out of G20, we're out of all of this stuff, right? And people say, well, that's isolationist. No, it's not. If you want to be our friend, let's be friends. Let's, let's, do some, let's do some trading, you know? Send us your stuff, we'll send you our stuff. We're cool. Hey, if you, if you need some help with this, well, maybe we can help you out with that. But we're not going to do these entangling alliances. We're not going to do the stuff that we've been doing for years. We're not going to do... You know, we're not going to do these crony capitalists. We're not going to do these croniest things like with the, with the UN and the G70, G20, and NATO. We're not doing that anymore. Because that's not fair to our taxpayers. H- how is it fair for the people who work in coal mines, people who drill for oil, to have their tax dollars go to pay for Germany's security in, in, in Europe? That doesn't make any sense. How is that fair? It makes more sense and it's more fair for people who live in that country to pay and to, and to uh, you know, uh, produce your own security. That makes more sense. That's more fair. Wouldn't you say so, Jacob? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I still to this day um, don't understand why people will support this, this foreign aid to any country. Uh, I, I, I don't get it. Even for the, I mean, like some of the progressives are, get it and they understand uh, but I, I, I don't – and how does that keep us safer? Okay, if Russia moves in on the Ukraine or whatever, whatever happens. Um, how does sending American troops to go die in that – how does that make us any safer? Or what – again, <laughs> what freedoms are they dying for in the Ukraine? Cause it could, could, because, it could, because remember, the troops die for our freedom. And they're out there securing our freedom. So what freedoms are at stake whenever Russia um, moves it on the Ukraine? Well, it's the freedoms of the people that live in the Ukraine. No, 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 no. no. We don't. The there's no oath um, that a, that a U.S. soldier takes um, to defend the freedoms of Ukraine. It's to protect the Constitution and it's to protect um, the homeland. And uh, there's 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 no um, homeland in, U- in the Ukraine. There's no there's no we're not we're, we're not defending ideals here. Yes. 
So I, I will be interested to see the full interview because they've only released parts of it as far as I know right now, as far as the NBC interview with Putin, because I find the man fascinating. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's not an endorsement of him, but I find um, the whole situation to be just fascinating. And I find President Biden to be uh, the opposite. He is not fascinating. Um, the, nothing the man says is of, of any intellectual or curious thought. Um, but having said all that, uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about, Jacob? No, I'll be curious to watch the interview, too. Um, for those of you who want a little sneak peek, you can probably go back and watch his interview with uh, Chris Wallace. Oh, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. That was during Trump's presidency. Kind of, it was in, the, it was in the, the wake of kind of the idea that Russia hacked the election or whatever you want to say. Um, that Trump was installed by Putin and they were yeah, somehow – somehow they were – yeah, Putin's puppet. Uh, and then you can see Chris Wallace who – I mean he's not an idiot, but um, Putin just gracefully – and this is the KGB training that he does and or he, he's had. Uh, he's a master with the words and a master with, with body language and controlling a, controlling a conversation, controlling a tone. So whenever you see a, a complete master communicator – of all facets, of all elements of communication, you see him, and then you see Biden, who again was got lost in a freaking picnic area, um, and then his poor wife had to come and uh, save him. Yeah, this is not going to be good. Same thing would happen with President Xi Jinping. I mean, he's a he's a master of communications too. Well, you don't get to that level in these countries without being able to manipulate yes uh, people and and indoctrinate people yeah. into into to have people believe and to play the games yeah yeah um, well I mean he's KGB and he was no taught, one's better at it than that yeah no one yeah it'd be like having a CIA operative or a CIA agent to be president they'd be a master at um, manipulating other people. Well, one would think, but I don't think the CIA has a good track record on things because I don't think Mike Pompeo would be a very mm, good president. It's kind of a bumbling fool. Yeah, and I don't think uh, James Clapper or would be a good choice either, uh, because well, not I, willingly, no, not wittingly, yeah, not wittingly, yeah. <laughs> Although maybe that's just how things work. I don't know. What what do I know? But anyway, folks, uh, thanks for listening to this here podcast. Yes, thank you. Um, we will be back again on Wednesday with the Joe Show. Then we'll be back here again uh, Friday, and we don't know what we're going to do yet as far as uh, the Friday show. Will it yeah. be just Jacob? Will it be both of us? We don't know. Hey. So you'll just have to tune in to find out. Yeah, tune in to but, find out. But until then, you know, go check out the Teespring store. Go, go get you a T-shirt. Uh, check out the, uh, the the Twitters. Check out the the show email. Check out Jacob Substack. He's all he's cooking up another good one, folks. Um, what else? What else? What if else? If you enjoy what you listen to, considering um, oh yeah, be, join the website. Join the website. Become a Patreon subscriber. You get the show um, a day early. Get the show a day early. Most that is probably the best uh, benefit that you would get. Um, let's see what else. Oh, uh, this Thursday. Uh, yours truly and I will, or uh, uh, no, next Thursday. Next Thursday. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry. Next Thursday. Big announcement. Uh, here in uh, it's it's in McDonough, right? Big announcement. Big announcement here in McDonough. Uh, Some big things are happening. Right. We we, we will be at the Henry County uh, uh, MC Mises Caucus meetup at the Buffalo Wild Wings in McDonough. So if you want to come by and say hello and join the party and check it out, please. Jacob and I will be there. Yeah. Um. It'll be a good time, and then we'll 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 have some a big announcement 
coming up with that involving the two of us. So we will leave you in suspense. So dun, dun. Un- so until then, happy birthday, President Donald Trump. Um, I was going to do a Marilyn Monroe thing when, when at Jack Kenny's birthday, but Jacob told me not to. I've been weird. I've been very weird. Uh, but until then, folks, uh, thanks for listening. Peace.